Hello and welcome to Movie Autopsy. My name's Paul Culliver. My co-host is Anthony McCormack. You're going to hear from him in a second. Now, Movie Autopsy, we go to see a film. Straight afterwards, we race back to the studio and we record our reactions. Today's show was originally published as an episode of my daily podcast, Bath Time. The movie today is... The Hobbit. Battle of Five Armies. We are reviewing today. Reviewing, I don't know if that's the right word, but we're, we're after, after screen, after film discussing... The Hobbit. Yeah. Battle of Five Armies. Boom, boom, boom. Um, and uh, you, of course, was in. You were in New Zealand to do some research. Uh, that's exactly where. Nice save. That's exactly <laughs> why I was in New Zealand. Um, I was kind of happy because I was in Wellington, and, and and this is like the last. You know uh, what? What would you call it? The the last. Feather in the cap of the the Middle Earth saga. The final visit to Middle Earth. Exactly. Peter Peter Jackson. Jackson. Um, (laughs) And I felt like there was some kind of, you know, goodness about being in Wellington for the final chapter. Yeah, that's nice. Of course, it debuted or premiered in Melbourne, or like, you know, released rather. I mean, the release was on the Boxing Day in Australia. Mm Mm-hmm. But in New Zealand... Well, we kind of had a bit of a giggle about this because there was the advanced screening um, and, and that was in advance of Boxing Day. And, and, and if you're in Australia, you're like, oh, this is so... I feel so privileged to be able to mm. go to this and see it early before everyone else head over to New Zealand in cinemas now. Yeah. So <laughs> kind of, you know, everyone and their dog can see it in New Do Zealand. Do you reckon there were many um, super fans, like Australian super fans, that would have gone... You know, gone over to New Zealand. Like, how, how much does it cost to? What's a flight these days to to NZ? Mm, well, uh, uh, quite affordable. Yeah. Um, so if you're a super fan for the Hobbit, you would go early. You would fly to New Zealand and check it out early. I mean, if you're the kind of person that spends mega bucks on your el- your own elven cape and your armor and your sword and your replica ring. And you, you know, your little figurines, and you, you know, a trip to New Zealand is not going to from Australia. Mm. If you were in a, you know, America or the UK, a trip to New Zealand might be a little bit more. But they'd still pay it because you know. I um, I was working at a radio station in London, and we had Simple Minds come in. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Community service kind of thing. (laughs) It was a Q and A. They didn't play any songs; just did a Q and A. The band. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, d- don't you forget about me. I like that song. Yeah. I, it took they, me a really long time to like it. Yeah. Because back in the, yeah, but you go they, on. And they kept making music after that. They even had like a single last year. Uh, possibly even an album. Didn't pay that much attention. Mm. But we, we ran a Q&A at the radio station in London and I had to curate the questions and decide who was actually going to come and ask the questions, right? And so they all came in and it was all like 50 year old plus men that have been fans of Simple Minds since they were probably, like, teens or whatever, right? And uh, the weird thing was them trying to prove their Simple Minds fandom to the point where one guy said that he'd been to 80, 80 gigs of uh, of Simple Minds. So not just the UK, he'd gone all around Europe and even I perhaps a bit further afield just to watch Simple Minds. So if Simple Minds... <laughs> 
can garner such a following oh, yeah. as yep. for one man to pay that much money. Like, that would be thousands and thousands oh, yeah. and thousands of dollars, pounds, euros to see the Simple Minds 80 times. I think one Lord of the Rings diehard fan oh, yeah. may have gone across. Well, yeah, no, no, we, you and I, Paul, we've got friends like that that follow bands around in Australia. Mm. So they turn up in Brisbane, you know, Sydney, Melbourne. What are the other cities? Adelaide? <laughs> Well, what, what other cities Australia got going these days? What are you? What are you rocking? You're rocking a Perth. You're rocking. Oh, you rocking a Darwin. They've even got a, a, a territory, a northern Ooh, territory. No, now. no. Yeah. Um, squeezing out of Canberra. There, is Canberra on sale these days? What's so, the- so uh, yeah. I, mean, I, I feel as well. We need to talk about the elephant in the room, which is the Hobbit. And, and and the first movie comes out and they say, don't worry, kids, there are two more movies after this. Mm. And they're all three hours. So it's nine hours of, of Hobbit action. And you say, well, it's a very small book. I mean, I remember as a kid reading it and saying, this book is huge. But as an adult saying, I'm not sure you can squeeze <laughs> nine hours out of this book. And and when the first movie came out, everyone said, that's fine. You know, well, we'll oh, well, a, a, a good portion of the people said that's fine. Mm. We'll judge it, you know, once yeah. the last movie comes out. Um, there were, of course, the people back then saying, no, no, you lost me. No, you've gone too far. Mm. But I, I quite enjoyed that first movie. And, and the second one, what did you think of the second one? Uh, it was, uh, no. <laughs> I only just watched it recently, like literally the day before I went to see um, Five Armies. And it was just a lot of, oh, I don't even. I don't even remember what happened. I was watching it. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what happened. Uh, which say, sounds like lazy. Like that sounds like I wasn't paying attention. No, it's just a lot of things happened that seemed very inconsequential. Um, uh, should we enter? Should we at this point enter our spoiler zone? Oh, go on. Should then. we say so that we can just be very free about our conversation? Yep. We're now going to get into Hobbit territory. It's probably going to be spoilers potentially for all three movies, including the third one. So uh, the best way for the next, you know, 20, 30 minutes of chat for them to not be spoilers for you, what's the best thing people could have done? To have seen the movie. Right. In brackets, S, movies. (laughs) Very good. Close brackets. So we are possibly going to spoil shit that goes on in Hobbit uh, Battle of Five Armies, as well as other stuff. But I can't actually think of anything that happens in number one and two to spoil it, to be honest. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I I watched number one a year ago. I remember I watched one when two came out, and I watched two when three came out, and then I got to go to the premiere of three, (laughs) which will surely anger real, like, Hobbit fans. (laughs) I'm not sure that there are that many... I I don't want to say anything controversial, but, I mean, Lord of the Rings, people were ravenous, Mm. eating Lord of the Rings. No, 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 no. no, They'd buy the DVDs, and they'd eat them, Mm. and you'd stare at them and say, I'm not sure you can say that... (laughs) That's a good thing that you're doing yeah, for the yeah. movie. You're destroying a copy by yeah, eating it. Precious <laughs> Whereas The Hobbit, I feel a lot more... Uh, people are much more casual about it. That's just thinking Blu-ray. Um, <laughs> um, I, the, the high frame rate. Yeah. Has that blown your socks off at all? Well, I didn't... I, so, the third one, yeah. I haven't had... I w- had been wanting to see the 60 effort. To be honest, it got to like halfway through the film. Oh, wait, this is meant to be 60 frames per second. Yeah. I, I had the same kind of experience with the first two. Mm. Um, and, and the second one, it was the point to the point where I didn't even know if I was watching it in high frame rate or not. 
Yeah, yeah. I I mean, the same issue with, a th- like, 3D at first. Like, there's maybe there's a sword that's come out at your throat, and you're like, oh, that's... Cr-. and then the, But you just forget for the rest of the yeah. time. And my problem with, especially with... I don't know, I, I have an issue. This is a weird thing, but I... Maybe it was the copy of the second one I was watching, but I think just generally the colour grading on The Hobbit is... It is too bleak for me. It's, I want a bright and colourful... Like, because when they go to, like, Hobbiton... Is it Hobbiton? Um, or oh, the Lake Town? Uh, no, uh, Bag End, sorry. Oh, the Shire. Yeah, the Shire. The Shire. Yeah. Uh, like, that's all very colourful, but the rest is, is almost too bleak. And the problem... And it's fine probably on a normal screen, but when you add 3D glasses, it's just too dark. It Everything is. Everything is just too dark. It is. Uh, in my I, opinion. I read an article at one stage, and, and I don't know if you class this under conspiracy theory, or, or but it was a, an, a, a practice. I don't know if this still happens today, because this is when 3D was first coming in. Uh, but it was a practice that when you switch the uh, projector to a 3D projector, and it's the actual projector unit is the same, but it's the, you know, the lens or whatever on the front of it, you need a, a, a more light. You need mm, to project yeah, more light to push through that darkness. But a lot of the cinemas just would keep the same 2D right. light source on. So it would be scientifically, provably, too dim. Too dim. Too dim. Too dim. And a lot of the too young... Dim. 3D. Lo- uh, uh, too dim. There we go. We far too, far too. Um, and a lot of the young kids, they've got good eyes, these kids. And they're used to seeing things. And it's, <laughs> it's, too, it's too dim. But the young kids say, oh, it's not even that dim. And those of us that have, you know, normal eyes, not super eyes like these kids, say... <laughs> Who are these people? No, but you know when you're born and you can just see everything. Yeah, yeah, of course, I remember. And then you get, you know, not not you're still young. <laughs> you're still very young and attractive, <laughs> but your eyes aren't as you know super anymore. I don't know what that means. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, the Who's three talking. Yeah. I can't see you. <laughs> are you that host of? All right. Um, I uh, yeah. So well, look, image wise, it's and it's. I don't know. It's also weird. Maybe it's the posters getting me committed. It's all, a lot of... It's, it all feels very... Um, I want to say Photoshop, like airbrushed. I feel like all the characters are very airbrushed. Maybe yeah. that's just the posters. But also, like, there's always just something jarring about looking at the characters um, that aren't humans. Because they've always just had a weird, like, nose change. or You know what I mean? Like, they've mm-hmm. had a nose job. And I know that's to create the world. But for some reason, it's not as immersive. It's not as, like... Sus- like Disbelief suspending yep. as it should be. Do you, agree, I, do you know what I mean? Is that I, is that too nitpicky? No, I, I'm with you. And and that was a big critique when the first one came out about the high frame rate is that you could see the makeup because mm. the you know the definition was so incredible. But the dwarves in particular, it just feels a little bit like you run down the line of dwarves and like at the start, it's like these dwarves are oh their beards are so immaculate and creative and they've got yeah. strange noses and incredible foreheads and you you keep running down the line. It's oh he he looks a bit more human, I guess. Oh I can see that and then you keep and then by the end it's just no, he's just a normal man. <laughs> There's no makeup at all. Maybe a bit of a wig. He's just standing on his knees. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like the the hot dwarf that has a you know we're in spoiler zone territory that has a little uh, a little thing a little some chemistry with uh, the uh, the hot elf elven lady uh. Toriel. Uh, what's his name? Killy. 
I think. Kelly! I think they call him Killy because uh, in war, he's very good at killing. Yeah. Aiden, Aiden Turner, Killy, yeah. Aiden Turner. And, and, you know, there's something a little off-putting about he's not attractive for a dwarf. He's just attractive full stop. Like, he's, yeah. like, attractive in me- in human terms, which, like, wouldn't the other dwarves just be really, really disturbed by that? <laughs> like, you, you are just the prettiest dwarf in the world. And that's really so I'm looking at a, I'm us. looking at a real photo of him right now. It's just, he is, uh, he's a dreamboat. Yeah, I don't understand. Like, you, how in a world where dwarves like this man exist... Can the other dwarves with their big noses and their strange foreheads, and there's one who, he looks a little bit like that yellow bastard from <laughs> Sin City, but with, like, flesh tones. Yeah. And he just, he looks like a bowling ball. And you say, why didn't your mother throw you down a well <laughs> if, if Kelly exists? I think you're being a little bit... Um, but you know what I mean? Like, to be honest, like the, the mother's cradling this demon baby and looking out the window, and there's Killy walking around <laughs> playing soccer or whatever, little Killy as a boy. Kissing all the girls. And the mother looks back at the bundle and says, well, time for you, my yeah. sweet, I think. I mean, yeah. this is Middle Earth. In 2014, I know. I, I we wouldn't know, do that. And I know kind of it thing. seems weird that we're having a go at, uh, but it's it is a weird mismatch and such with all the different characters. Uh, and it, it's yeah, it's like some are made to more be more grotesque, some are be made to more. I don't know. I'm not quite sure what I want, but it's just yeah. I think it's the general effect is um, it's just a little bit more confusing and more um, it it pulls me out of it a little yeah. bit. Um, you know what? I would say I feel like. Because uh, originally, I think they, were, they said they were going to make two movies, and I feel like almost number one and two could probably have been condensed. Yep. To be honest, number three actually not much happens. I will say straight out, I think some people have kind of said, "Oh, it's hollow and there's no whatever." They don't like it, number three. I like it because it's just balls to the wall fighting mm. and armies and swordplay and action, and that's great. I'm actually fine with that uh, because it's kind of some pretty epic like sequences, and it's well choreographed, and it's just awesome so i really enjoyed that even yeah. though i'm always going to be a stickler for story and really enjoy story uh and that's going to be my main thing i'm going to ever enjoy in a film this was okay because they they'd spent ugh, like six hours setting up so like okay finally here's the payoff yep so i was fine with that i i well i'm gonna gr- disagree with you there david <laughs> uh no i i i this is what i think anyway i think it was a very good movie mm. but you're you're walking in expecting some Hobbit action, mm. and then there's the thing that it's named The Hobbit, and you see very little Martin Freeman in it. Yeah, to the movie's um, detriment, I feel because he is brilliant. He's mm. br- and 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 one of my favourite scenes from is from the first one, and it's uh, Martin Freeman and Gollum. Mm. That was an incredible scene because you've got not only. The Lord of the Rings thing, they're paying homage to the golem that's already in the Lord of the Rings. Mm. But you that, that's a scene straight from the book. They do it so well. It's so well choreographed. It goes on for a bit, but I never actually, like a, a lot of people are saying uh, the breakfast scene with the singing and the dancing and the dwarves and all of that, you know, they're looking at their watch saying, come on, Peter, snippy, snippy. <laughs> Um, it go- the, the, the golem scene in the first movie goes on for a bit, but at no point do you say, oh, this has gone on too long because the stakes are, are good. The, you know, it's all, and, and, and 
I was looking forward to that in the second one as well with Martin Freeman and, and the dragon. Smog. Yeah, which I always read as smog, and in the movies it's something like, Smog? Smog. <laughs> oh, no, it's smog. <laughs> smog. 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 I enjoyed um, smog um, <laughs> a lot more in the third movie. I I, yeah. I don't know why in the sec in the second movie he was still he was still good. I think there was something a little bit um, jarring to me about the setting of a, a room with no walls and gold coins everywhere. But I know the the idea is to present you know immense wealth and but at a certain point where you see no walls, you say, well, I don't. That's imaginary. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's no. Like Scrooge McDuck's bank vault, you know, you say that's impressive because you see the walls. Mm. You, you, there's a finite amount to it. Like, you know, it's not, it doesn't go on forever, but you do say, geez, that's a lot of coins. No, I'm trying to remember now because I, oh, this is the problem. I watched two and three so close together. Does the point at which they melt all the gold down. Yeah, well, that's, I, mean, I don't know where that gold comes from. There's a real logic geography thing in the, the, at the end of the second movie. Is that in two? That's in two. Okay, I, can't, I couldn't remember where that. It, Wait, does, so they've got. Does two end with Smog leaving the castle? He do, it does, yes. Leaving the strike. Okay, yeah. So what, what I try to figure out, there's a room that goes on forever, literally forever. Yeah, the with golden coins. That, yeah. And, and, and then that's separate. To another room that has molten gold, <laughs> that d- they decide to create a giant statue of a dwarf that's gold, and then when smell, oh, it's a trap, because when he comes up to this uh, mountain, you know, this statue that is is perfectly preserved and stands up by itself, it's got integrity somehow, but it's a trap because when you know he gets too close, it'll suddenly explode and cover him in gold somehow. Mm. I don't understand what's yeah. going on. It is a bit. It's all very convenient. It's all like I mean, a lot of things in movies are like convenient. All oh, convenient that that hatchet was there so we could stick it in that guy's face or so whatever it was. Like you know, getting out of a jam. But it was weird. That it was like the gold was already there, ready to be melted. Just happened to flow into this. What, what had they been planning on making this gold statue, and they just never got round to it? Like yeah. that's what this whole mechanism was made for. And it turns out that they were ready to go. <laughs> they just had to flick the switch, but you know they didn't have to. Like when the dragon first comes, mm. you know what I mean? Like they're returning to the mountain years after the dragon has first come and driven them away. Why didn't they try doing the big gold statue gooey? explodey thing back then. It seems like everything was ready and set to do that. I, it doesn't... Uh. And yeah. this is the thing, is that when you add to the book, when you add to the source material, whether when there's stuff in the movie that doesn't make sense, but it's in the book, you say, well, Peter, you had to do it. You know, you, you took your best shot at it, and, and, and God bless you, and I'm sorry that Tolkien wrote such a ridiculous sequence, <laughs> but, you know, you, you tried your best and we pat you on the back for it. But when when you're adding to Tolkien and you're like, I reckon this makes as much sense as anything else Tolkien's done, that's when I think the eagle eyes of the fans start saying, mm, So that was weird. added? Because you've read. I, I've read quite a while ago, and I'm pretty sure that, to my mind... And I, I can't remember the instigating factor, but it's the conversation between him and the dragon 
And then something happens. I'm pretty sure in the book, the conversation occurs only because Bilbo is wearing the ring, which you can't do in the movie because then you're paying Martin Freeman all this money (laughs) and he's not actually there. Mm. So I can understand why they've done it from that point of view. But um, but that's that's what's really incredible about the book is that the entire time they're going to this dragon, they're going to meet this dragon, and and you've got a picture in your in your childlike mind of what a dragon is like. Yeah. And then they turn up, and and you're thinking, oh, you know, as long as he can uh, avoid being eaten by the dragon, like the jaw just going snap, then he's fine. And he's got this ring that makes him invisible, so he is fine. But then the dragon starts talking, and you realise, oh, this dragon's really smart. Oh, trouble, you know, conflict, yeah. tension. <laughs> um, and that's, I think, what I enjoyed about the dragon at the, um, at the start of the third movie. And it was, it was so, it was like putting um, butter on toast and just smearing the butter, like grabbing the entire contents of the <laughs> butter jar and just lathering it on a second coat, a third coat, so much butter. But uh, of just this dragon, you know, the, the, the bowman, uh, doing all the arrows at him and the dragon just taking his time and saying, you know what, buddy? You've got nothing. <laughs> Let's just have a little talk, you and I. What's precious to you? Your little boy? Tell me more about your little boy. And I, I like that as well. You know that he's going down. You know the dragon's mm. going down. So I, I enjoyed the last couple of minutes of the dragon being the dragon. Mm. I... um. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agreed. Yeah, Smog is, I mean, obviously Benedict Cumberbatch is amazing. If you haven't, have you seen him, his appearance on Colbert Report? No. Oh, man. So I don't know how much time they must have spent on this, but Stephen Colbert interviews Smog on the show, and it's amazing. Wow. Uh, what's really interesting, well, the interview was very funny, and clearly like, they had to pre-script it. Months in advance, I, I imagine. I don't even know how much pre-production went into like creating Smog on set and doing all the CGI and everything. But what's really interesting, I thought, from a kind of a movie buff side of things, is that afterwards, um, Stephen Colbert uh, read out. <laughs> what's beautiful is the interview ends with Smog getting really angry and um, breathing fire all over the studios. They go to they go to uh, uh, ads. They go to commercial break come back the studio is filled we're filled with smoke and Colbert Stephen Colbert is using a fire extinguisher on everything <laughs> and then someone hands him a piece of paper that's still alight <laughs> and he and he like extinguishes it and then he reads out the credits and he has to thank all of Smog's handlers that include Benedict Cumberbatch Peter Jackson and then all the CGI people oh yeah so and it took forever it's like 50 names or something who knows how many but I thought that was interesting because it must be like a like a movie, you know, a Screen Actors Guild kind of, uh, you know, you know what I mean? Like the, the yeah, requirements yeah. that you read out because Smog appears on screen, you have to read out all the credits. But uh, it was very funny because I watched it before I'd even seen two or three and it was quite funny, Stephen. Um, it takes place in the concept that number two's happened and number three hasn't happened yet. So it's Colbert talking to Smog about like everything that's happened in two and like, oh, well, uh, the Hobbit tricked you, didn't he? He's like, no, he did not trick me. <laughs> <laughs> It was all very funny. Um, worth checking out. But yeah, Benedict yeah. Cumberbatch is, is amazing. Have you seen... Uh, the other thing worth seeing is his audition tape? No, although I have heard there are headlines. Yeah, so what's interesting is that he did 
two because he did one which was just him off camera so you don't actually see his face or anything and he's doing the voice and apparently that kind of the casting people were like oh my god what is this voice like it was done way before like sherlock or anything had really taken off or anyone particularly you know like he wasn't a big name at that point um but then he also did was like was like well i know that motion capture has been going to be a big part of it uh, I don't want to, you know, I feel like physicality is going to be important for the voice and the character and everything just in case they need me to do that. So he did one where it's like his mouth moving around, his, his lips and his, his tongue snarling and l- whipping all over the place and everything. It's very cool to watch. But also then very funny to actually see him in the motion capture like room because he actually is a dragon. He's on the floor on all fours being a dragon and oh, doing wow. the stuff. And it's very funny to watch, but also very interesting that you're like, oh, dragon, they're just the CGI people animated. No, they had a human. <laughs> Better it come back, actually got down on all fours and played Smog, oh, wow. which is very cool. Very cool indeed. Uh, so Smog, yeah, well, let's get into the movie proper. I feel like that's kind of, it's almost like they just need to wrap up number two because that point is yeah. like, oh, Smog's in the air. Okay, cool. And then they set up that, that um, was it Bard the Bowman's got that? The magic arrow. The magic the, arrow of destiny. And you're like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen yeah. with that. Oh, he's set up like halfway through two that you've got that. Don't you understand? The only way to kill this dragon is with this very specific arrow, <laughs> which I will place right here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, although using his, um, using his son as a... Oh, as a yeah. leveler, oh, as a, yeah. that was pretty cool. I I enjoyed that. Like it was it was manipulative in the best way possible. Mm. Like because of just the <laughs> and then but no no look at me look at me and and the dragon behind ah oh, I ate that up with a spoon. That was very cool. I kind of I, see it was a weird thing because. In a movie, you kind of expect like it to be like you fail two times and then succeed the third time yeah, kind of yep. thing to raise the stakes. But that thing of cause he literally only had one shot, it was kind of weird. It was like, oh, he's just got to get it this time. Yeah. Like you can't mess it up. So he'll just he'll just shoot the dragon, and that'll be it. Yeah. And then he, I like, kind of enjoyed how Smaug just disintegrated, almost like a, a video game boss, yeah. <laughs> kind of like he would in like Zelda or something. <laughs> Just uh, erupted into coins. Yeah, yeah. I kind of feel like that. Uh, Stephen Fry was great. Weird looking at Stephen Fry. The, uh, St- the- Stephen Fry's sidekick. And he's getting a lot of flack because a lot of people are talking about, yeah, he's a weasel. We get it. Yeah. It, well, the, he his arc was weird. What was his yeah. character? Was that? I don't know the name of the guy, but, you know, he dresses up. He he runs away from the battles and he dresses up as a as a lady and everything. And it's all very funny. I guess his kind of comedic relief a bit is kind of his purpose in the movie. But not necessarily that funny. Um, I, well, I, yeah, like it's also true. It strikes me he must, in, in real life, and this happens, you know, every once in a while, in real life he must be a very, very funny man. And the filmmakers say, oh, my, you are so funny. We're going to put you in as many scenes as possible. Mm. But then they give him this character that's just terrible. Like, there's no, there's nothing redeeming. Nothing redeeming. Alfred. Alfred. Played, played by Ryan Gage. Ryan Gage. And uh, you know what I actually had? And this is obviously, this shows that I'm very inept when it comes to the Lord of the Rings world. Part of me was like, oh, is this, does he become Gollum? <laughs> <laughs> Because uh, I'd uh, forgotten that Gollum had already appeared. Oh, uh, no. He, but, be- he becomes a second Gollum. Oh, that's, well, that's not true. You know what I mean, though? Because he was, he was all like all about the gold and everything. I was like, well, he could become like a Gollum-esque. Yeah. I don't know. But that was the well, problem. The- there, was no, there was no 
there's no arc for him. What happened to him? Yeah. He didn't even get explained what happened to him, I don't think. I feel like there was so much potential and it didn't really... And, and, and The Hobbit, to me, the actual story and, and what you read and what you forget about over the years, but there are several key things that you remember. And the things that I remember are there's a hobbit in it, <laughs> <laughs> there are some dwarves, and then at the end there's a big, massive BFG dragon. Yeah. And then they they the dragon is is B- B- slain. BFD, B- or BFD, BFD. <laughs> um, the dragon is slain, and Bilbo, our Hobbit, goes home with more money than he knows what to do with. Mm. The end. Everything else in there, and I got excited about the you know whatever it is, the appendices, I think they're called. But mm. all of the stuff that Tolkien has written later on, and said, you know, well that was happening. This other stuff was happening too. Bet you didn't know about that. I got excited about Peter Jackson knowing that stuff so well and saying, I'm going to give you a little taste of this. But then the the big scene of that was, um, uh, and I remember the the new necromancer, I think he was, Mm. turning up in the Hobbit book and and he's hinted at and you don't know what's going on. And you, you, you blame yourself as a kid. You say, oh, it's my fault. Because obviously it's all in these pages, but I just don't know. <laughs> I can I I'd stare at the pages. Tell me the information that I need, pages, and, <laughs> and they don't. But um, and that's why the movie's exciting because you're like, oh, Peter Jackson will fill me in, and then you get that scene with uh, Hugo Weaving and Christopher Lee and 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 Kate Blanchett uh, turning up uh, on the door, you know, to rescue Gandalf. Mm. Everybody, like, you know, the, the reviews, the early reviews of the movie saying, oh, this scene's fantastic, it's incredible, oh, it'll blow you away. And I'm like, mm, it's, it's all right, I guess. It's, it's, a, it's, it's very much uh, a scene that exists because it's a prequel. Yeah. It's very much like, ah, look at this. It's got yeah. to hey. you remember? Hey. You remember? You remember the eye? The eye that's going to be on the, looks a little like that, doesn't it? It's, uh, you get it? You see these characters? Yeah, they're coming up in a league and what the Lord of the Rings trilogy now. Huh? You love them. You know what I really would have enjoyed if it had done? S- Saruman's good. Get it? Get it? Yeah, get yeah, it. Look at that. Hey. Look at that. He's Le- good. Leave, Saruman, leave Sauron to me, he says, oh. with a wink and oh. a nod. You know what happens next? Oh, oh. hey! Oh. Um... <laughs> What I really would have enjoyed about it, because uh, uh, what's her name? Clay- Kate Blanchett plays... Clay Clate Blanchett. Clay <laughs> uh plays uh, uh, the elven uh, Gal- Galadriel. Galadriel. That's her name. Hey! Hey! hey I know hey, Paul got one. I got one. <laughs> you got one. Um, and in the, um, the first Lord of the Rings movie, she's scary. Yeah. And, and, and I remember at the time, and I read the book, and in the book she's lovely. But in the movie, she's scary, and and you kind of that's a change that you go along with. You say, okay, Peter Jackson, you know, I'll go, I'll mm. meet you halfway here. That's fine, um, and it's kind of cool. Once you've seen it the first time, and you know where all the scares are, that's fine. And you know, you know, her face goes weird, but once you've figured out how it goes weird, you're like, I'm, I'm immune to it now. Fine, I'm, Kate's still underneath. Exactly. I'm, yeah, I'm okay with so it. So it's fine. What I was really excited about before it even happened was maybe she uses her elf powers, elven powers. Mm. I don't know if it's elf or elf. I think there needs to be a V in it. Elf. Yeah, I think elven sounds more... Tolkien. More, not more Tolkien. Yeah. I, she's using her powers for good, but she doesn't realise that ne- the necromancer is Sauron. 
who's like, oh, by the way, did you know that I made your ring? And then he starts, like, drawing on her elf power, Ah. right? That's what I thought was going to happen. But then, like, she just banishes him, and she's still still weird. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, there's nothing. Oh, my God, Clydell is so weird. (laughs) But you you know what I mean? Like, Like, at no point, she's always weird. Like, there's no arc there. Like, it's like when Sauron first gives you this ring, you go all green and weird and your voice gets terrifying. And the other elves are telling this to her. Your voice gets terrifying, Gladriel, and that's fine with us. We're not going to take it off you. We're going to let you do your thing. (laughs) It's probably corrupting you somehow. We don't mind. This isn't an intervention. This isn't an intervention. We're just saying... We, we, we still love you. We recorded you while you're in your state. This, yeah. We want you to watch the footage. It's out of love. We're out here of for love. you. We love who you are. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not going anywhere. We don't want this to change you in any way. You, you keep the ring. We don't want you to give the ring up. You keep being you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I thought at, at one point that the ring was, was bad mm. would be a twist. That, that's what I thought. Like, here is a ring of power. Oh, thank you very much. By the way, it turns you bad. Twist. Can I just can I just recap this for my own brain? Yeah. Potentially yep. for listeners. Mostly me. Okay. Uh, n- nine rings? No. So- n- nine rings to the mortal men doomed to die. Okay. And, and Galadriel has one of them? Uh, no, no, no. She's an elven lady. Oh, so I what? can't remember how many rings there were for the elves. Oh, oh okay. No, isn't... Yeah, but isn't the total nine? No, the, to- the total nine is for the nine Nazgul, who are okay. the pe- freaky-deaky people in the cloaks in the Lord of the Rings movies. Right, right. They're the kings of old. They're the men. Gotcha. And then the- so, uh, then I think there's five for the elves, I think. Yep. Is that right? So, so my understanding is that Sauron gives all these rings to all these other people and says, with these rings, you're going to be able to do really cool things like uh, earth, fire, wind, water. And heart. And heart <laughs> Sorry. As well. That's not as cool. I'll just hold on to that one. No one wants that one. Um, and they all say, oh, thank you, Sauron. They accept these rings. Why? That's a question for so who, another prequel, So wait, is Sauron, Sauron is the necromancer. Yeah. But do we ever see Sauron pre-necromancer? Well, I this doesn't come from any particular reading yeah. of, of a book or, or, you know, I think Silmarillion might have... Some answers, but it, uh, apparently, according to people who've tried it that I know, it can be hard to get access into that book. Right. But, well, he, he's sort but, of portrayed as yeah. like a knight at the very start of the fellowship, is he? Well, he is, right? he is um, an analogue, if you will, for Satan. Right. Which is, in the original Satan story, Satan is an angel. Right. So, he starts off as Lucifer, which is literally the brightest Angel, hmm. um, and then that too. That like I always think of of the story of Satan as um, Khan hmm. from um, uh, the Star Trek universe, which you know Benedict Cumberbatch, blah blah blah. But um, the the Khan story is that he's a Superman. He's been bred, you know, genetically. He's stronger. He's smarter. He's he's fantastic. Hmm. But with that also comes this ego of like, well, I am that good, so I might as well, you know. Help people out. And what's the best way to help people out? Rule them. (laughs) 
And I think that's the kind of the Satan kind of mentality of like, you know, I am the best angel, so why not, you know, take 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 charge of things. Yeah, okay. I'm okay with that. So, yeah, I I feel that's Sauron's caper. Mm. Um can we mention uh, Billy Connolly? We absolutely can. I, uh, you know what I was, it was like, I, I love that it was good. I don't know how long, but maybe like it was a good 20 seconds or 30 seconds of him talking yep. before showing him. But it, it took me that long to go, I know this voice. I don't, yeah, yeah this is really yep. obvious. Yep. Uh, why can't I figure it out? Why can't I? Uh, Billy Connolly. Oh, there he is. Okay. Uh, and it was, it was that thing of like, oh, I should know exactly who this is. I'm sure other people, because the casting was announced and everything. But it was that nice thing of like, eh, eh, this hey, voice, hey, this voice. Hey, yeah. hey, there he is. So on purpose. It had to have been on purpose the way they did that. Oh, but, yeah. It was very much like, oh, look who we got. But I didn't understand. And again, this goes into the dwarf kind of, the, the dwarf design seems very eclectic to me. Yeah. They're just throwing everything into the sink and seeing what happens. I didn't understand what was going on with his beard because there were tusks coming out of there. <laughs> and I assumed they weren't growing out of him. He also looks nothing like his brother Thorin. That's true. Like he, wasn't he redhead or was he a, like more of a strawberry or something? I got that sense. There was yeah. armor and helmet involved, but I definitely got a, a, a Ranger-esque kind of yeah, Santa so pants kind of. Yeah. Uh, I mean, again, a bit more comic relief, I guess. It was very funny, him yeah. just being able to be Billy Connolly and beat up some orcs and stuff. I, uh, not to be a Debbie Downer, I didn't like that Thorin died, and I can't remember if he died in the actual book. Oh, okay. But I, to me, like the the start of the first movie, and it's it's Oakenshield. I loved that as well because I remember that his name was Oakenshield, and but I didn't realize that he gets that by using an oak as a shield. <laughs> like, and, and and you know that's so on the nose. But I ate it up with a spoon. I was like, okay, I love it. I love well, it. In 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 the oldie days, that's how many surnames were. Yeah, right? we're, like we're, you're a blacksmith, you become you know Smith. And to me, there's something beautiful about he's got treasures full of golden coins, but all this guy needs is a little bit of tree. You know what I mean? Like, that's a beautiful, you know, thing to pass down to people. But the second he leaves his hall full of gold, he gets stabbed and dead. And it's like, don't tell the generations that. Because now they're going to hold on to their you where they're going to hoard. Just stayed inside. Yeah, exactly. Kids, stay inside. Just stay hoard in your hoard your wealth. Go back to sleep on your muddy bed. I, it was a weird because it was a fun kind of like hallucinogenic kind of weird scene. That, that was very weird. That one. And that it was. It was. I don't know if it was a weird departure. Maybe from. I'm sure there's been other. There's been other similar sort of scenes, but it was kind of fun to watch and kind of you know have a bit of a hallucinogenic trip along with Thorin. But it's weird that it doesn't quite... There's no... It kind of just happens because it needs to happen. Mm. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, he has his epiphany just because it's like, oh, well, time's getting on. The movie's, like, yeah. the movie's almost finished. We, like, we kind of need Thorin to get out there. Let, let's go send him in and have an epiphany now. There's, there's like, three or four points where, like, people are having conversations with him and you say, okay, this is it. This is where they finally lay the seed where he goes, <laughs> yeah. oh, okay, I get it now, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then it's like you say, like the movie's shorter than the other Hobbit movies. I think it's only two hours and 40 minutes this time <laughs> or something like that. But it's, it's shorter than that. It's a 144, which is very impressive. Yeah. They really, and I'm, I'm glad, like they did well with yeah. that. 
But but it gets, you know, near to the end and they're kind of saying, oh, gee, Thorin needs to come good. Uh, maybe he just uh, hallucinates. Maybe he just has a freak out. Yeah, maybe. Eats a few bad mushrooms and uh, um, goes and falls through a floor of gold that he's not actually falling through. And then um, he comes good. But I feel as well, and, and this is, you know, it, to me, having a dragon come and hoard your wealth, like, that's enough of a character development thing for me. Like, you know what I mean? Like, the whole purpose of dragons in mythology, and I didn't know this until way later, is that they're attracted to hoarded wealth. Mm. So it, it's basically a fable of don't hang on to your gold, because if your gold pile becomes big enough, a dragon's going to come and, and eat mm. you and take care of, you know, sleep on your coins. And the whole thing is that they sleep on the coins so nobody can get to them. So, like, the first thing that he does is he gets rid of the dragon and he's like, okay, now we're going to keep our gold. <laughs> it's like... Well, there is... Yeah, they don't quite... Exp- I mean, I don't know if they hint at the fact that he's got the, the dragon sickness or... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, I guess there's a little bit about smell, smog, smog, smog. Get to get to the chopper. Um, get to the dragon. Get to the dragon. Um, <laughs> that he's the last dragon. I think is part of the oh. story. Are there no dragons in Lord of the Rings? Uh, no, I don't believe there are. There are strange oh. lizard type things that the uh, the Black Riders ride in the mm. sky. Mm. But that's, a, that's as close as it comes. Because I, I think that is part of the tension of the story as well, in the book, at least, is that you are, you know, you're going to the mountain, you want to reclaim the treasure, there's a dragon there, there's also a little bit of don't harm this dragon because it's the last of its kind, mm. you know, but you have to harm the dragon to get the treasure, but you can't because it's the last of its kind. That's, 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 that didn't really enter into the movie. Yeah, that's think. even funnier then than the hubris of Smog. It's like, I'm just going to go fuck some shit up. It don't matter because I'm yeah. a dragon. You can't hurt me. Hey, hey, Smog, what, what happened to every other dragon? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. What, what, what makes you think you're not going to die? Because <laughs> everyone else has. Yeah. So that's funny. That's quite funny. Yeah. I, that's the first clue that you should be careful and not... You know, not every one of your species is dead. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you can die. (laughs) It's possible. If Smaug bleeds, we can kill it. Get to the job, Smaug. (laughs) Smaug. You know, I've started doing is um, if you just uh, see any animals around, just doing the voice of Smaug for them. (laughs) <laughs> it's really fun. You just see like a little kitty cat. Yeah. And it's just like, it's like, meow, I want some food. And you're like, I want the, I can't do that. Well, you know, small. You've got to start My with My dry bowl is empty. <laughs> <laughs> Throw the ball, human. <laughs> I will fetch it. Don't you think it's time to clean my litter box? Fish food <laughs> every fucking day. Uh, Just throw that hamburger in. Uh, 
<laughs> That's a fish requesting hamburgers. <laughs> Dinner. So you don't know. Uh, so try that at home uh, if you want. Just do the voice of Smug for uh, for any animals you see. I like that. I'm going to try that. <laughs> it's quite a lot of fun. Just doing the voice of Smug generally is quite fun. I enjoyed Lee Pace. Lee, oh, and and it took me... Get my MDB. It took me three... He was the snooty uh, boss elf. The elven king. Um, and he, uh, it took me three movies to figure out who Lee Pace is. Cause I, <laughs> I always get Lee Pace, the mm. name, not the person, but the name confused with Lee Mack from the sketch show. Right. Yeah. Who's a bit of a comedian. He's quite funny, but he's not Lee Pace. Mm. Who's really quite, you know, different. <laughs> like, uh, and he was also the bad guy in, um, Guardians of the Galaxy as well. He was the strange blue guy with the uh, hammer. Uh, and I believe he was in a Twilight movie, though I shouldn't know that. But okay. I have been catching up with Twilight. Have you? I'm I, not going to touch it. Yeah. Oh, good, good on you. No, no good. You can't touch it. It's terrible. Okay. Uh, well, let me let me add to that. Breaking Dawn Part 1. Every other Twilight movie is, you know, it's fine. Yeah. It, it's it's not the Academy Award winning, it's not, but Breaking Dawn Part 1 is a black hole of a movie that will <laughs> suck. It will, not only will the movie suck, it will suck you and your soul and it will just make wow. you sad. It will pull tears out of your eyes because it sucks with so much. With a tear much. magnet. Uh, what if it was entirely overdubbed with the voice of Smog? <laughs> Even then, I I just worry about it. Edward Cullen. It's, I can't don't know. It's not. Ones. It's not the most feminist of movies. Oh. Um. And the bad guy in the movie, like in all the Twilight movies, there's like the uh the uh the villain yeah. of the movie. You know, uh, the bad guy of Breaking Dawn Part One is a pregnancy. So, <laughs> if you are female. Wow. Hero's journey. Yeah. To, oh, yeah. To the abortion clinic. Oh, no, no. Oh, gosh. Don't even. Um, well, let's get back to <laughs> Battle of Five. I just, I was, I kept trying to count on my one hand five armies. Uh, uh, elves? Elves. With, with Mr. Big Dick Legolas Father, dude. Yep. Uh, 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 dwarves? Dwarves. Th- well, there's a thing. Dwarves is one or, okay, let's just put in dwarves. Humans? Humans. I guess yeah. the humans mostly just get killed. Yep. Well, they fight. They take up they arms. They do a they bit do of fighting. They do take up arms. Yeah, okay. So, humans. Humans. And then you've got orcs. Orcs. And I think in movie logic, the fifth element, the fifth element, the fifth army was more orcs, but I think from the book, it's the eagles. Yeah. But they kind of just throw the eagles in at the last minute. Yeah, like, it's very it's, much... The the army the the war is more or less one, and then the eagles show up. As uh, someone that uh, was at the f- uh, movie with me, uh, shout out to Kevin Turner. He he remarked uh, afterwards. He said, "It seems that the best way to win a a war, a battle in Middle Earth, is just to have giant eagles. Or are they yeah. hawks? Are they eagles or hawks? Eagles. Eagles. Okay, because yeah. I think that happens in another movie as well. It's just the eagles turn up and this is game over. Yeah. Uh, one thing we tried to use to piece together what? Well, I think yeah, two orc armies, or is it the hawks? Base battle of six armies. That's more impressive. Yeah. 
Uh, I assume in the books it's referred to as Battle, the Battle of Fiber. It is. Uh, but when we went to uh, the premiere, and I don't know whether other cinemas will have this, but they had um, special 3D glasses that were, at first I was like, oh, cool, I got, you know, Alvin, whatever. They had different ones. So there was a dwarf one, there was an alvin one, there was a hawks one, and then there was an orc one. Oh, four, four. And then I, we were like, we were trying to collect them all. We're like, because the people were just leaving them behind. We had the four different coloured, different themed, pretty cool looking three D glasses, better than your usual, you know, sort. And we were like, these are cool. We want all of them. We walked away. We're like, yeah, four. There's not going to be any more than four. We walked out and went, like, like later that night. I was like, wait a second. I just went to see Battle of Five Armies. Oh, no. Did we get them all? Oh, oh no. no. And I don't know now, because did, did, did the publishers, did, like, the promotional people go, human glasses? That's shit. We're not going to make glasses for humans. Yeah. Or we're not going to make orcs twice. Yeah, so, yeah. I don't know. Oh, you're going to spend the rest of your life not knowing. And, that, and the thing is, if the fifth one had been there... I would have known what the five armies were. Yeah. But I don't know. You don't. Oh, that's terrible. Very confusing. I feel so bad for you. How great is it as a as a as a uh, as a <laughs> uh, a rich, uh, long, uh, old text that have been studied by by thousands of people and, and made into these six massive motion pictures? And I'm I'm the the source that I'm using to try to decipher part of it is how many 3D glasses I collected <laughs> in a cinema. It's beautiful. I feel like this is what Christopher Tolkien, the son of uh, J.I.R., I feel like this is what he was talking about when he said uh, this movie and these series of movies has devalued the work somewhat. <laughs> <clears throat> um, I, I got a treat in Wellington. I'm not sure if you got this mm-hmm. here. Uh, at the start of the movie, there was like a little featurette that was basically saying, thank you, New Zealand, you know. For for being so, because I mean, New Zealand and Lord of the Rings and and the Hobbit are so linked. I'm doing mm. the link thing with my hands, but you probably can't see that. But no, I saw it. Yeah. Oh, 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 good. <laughs> um, and they, it, it's beautiful because, like, it's it's obviously the New Zealand casting crew, and and they're wonderful. You know, Peter Jackson saying, "Oh, it's a great time." and the the country's been so wonderful to us. And then you get all the, the big stars, and, and some of them are the ones from Lord of the Rings, like Andy Serkis and Elijah Wood, and they're like, we love New Zealand. Orlando Bloom as well, we love New Zealand so much, and you go, yeah, I believe you. I believe you, because you keep <laughs> coming back. and But then you start getting, like, newcomers who have only just started doing, you know, the the Hobbit. So they weren't around for the Lord of the Rings, but, and they're, like, you know, seemingly less interested being all like, Oh yeah, you know New Zealand's great, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and and people. So, so what's this for? What's, yeah, what's, what's what happening? Are we in? Uh, what's... And you're like, oh, yeah, um, I I think New Zealand is great, but I'm not sure that you believe what you're saying. And then people, oh, I'd like to live here one day when I retire. <laughs> and so, it, so, what's the next line say? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm just like. I'll believe it when I see it, party yeah. boys. Yeah. I'm just trying to check. Uh, I, I'd forgotten about this. I had read about this and I'd forgot that, of course, uh, Andy Circus didn't actually have a role in 2 and 3, but he was involved definitely in 3. I can't remember if he did in 2. 
because uh, he became a second unit director. Oh. Are you aware of this? I absolutely am. Yeah. I'm, I'm not <laughs> no. at all. No, what was really interesting is that I think it was, I was listening to a podcast, I think it might have been The Nerdist, and uh, he was mentioning that, so he's, he was, he's in Britain setting up his amazing state-of-the-art uh, motion capture, because that's now his thing. He's like, you know what, you make the money being the actor, or you make the money having this big-ass studio, yeah. and we're going to do it right. But then Peter Jackson was like, hey, um, I'm uh, filming these uh, these movies, obviously, you know, Gollum's done, um, but I need, uh, I know you're interested in directing and stuff, and so basically we're like, uh, keep setting up your 3D thing, uh, your motion capture, or come and be second unit director on, he definitely was on third, because I saw it in the credits, I can't, I'm trying to look up whether he did number two as well. But yeah, how cool is that? So he went from, from Gollum to, to second unit director. And I get excited about Andy Serkis, like computer generated stuff. I remember because I grew up in the the uh, the 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 age of Jim Henson, and if you've never heard the name Jim Henson before, uh, look him up because he was Sesame Street. There's no no way listeners to this. Well, really? Well, I no, I no. I have had no conversations. One to this has not heard Jim Henson. I've had conversations with people Get before who say Jim who, and I'm like, oh, oh. oh no, and and I have to stop myself from. Well, I don't know. I mean, a violent reaction would be uh, weird. So I don't know what I have From to stop Immediately myself. thrusting your hand up them and puppeteering them like a muppet. Rolling my eyes. But, um, okay, yours is slightly less violent. <laughs> he, um, he, he, uh, Frank Oz as well, and, and, and just an entire generation of people that were involved in puppetry. And, and before um, computer-generated stuff, it was the only way that you could create fantastic characters. You could either put... A suit on a on a small person, mm. a suit on an elephant, <laughs> or the in between stages, and and this is what Yoda from Star Wars was before he became a bloody C- CGI atrocity. Mm. Uh, you can make a puppet, and and they were they every dollar that Jim Henson earned, he put straight back into research and development. And 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 they had, um, and it was it's the Stan Winston school of things as well, is that. This is, you know, cloth and, and, and rubber and, and all these kinds of things, but we're going to make a performance out of it. It has to be about character. It has to be about you believe this thing is a living, breathing thing. Mm. And to, to this point, I haven't felt the same kind of love in the CGI world unless it's coming from Andy Serkis. Mm. Yeah. And that's why I feel Andy Serkis is doing so well. And, and what I love is is what he's going to kick off, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like we're just at the start of the Andy Circus revolution. Mm, mm. That he He's bringing, like, uh, like, there's something exciting about, a lot of people roll their eyes at bad CGI, and, and CGI has such, you know, negative connotations. But when it's something like a Dawn of the Planet of the Apes and Andy Circus is involved and your, your ears sort of prick up and you say, oh, okay. All right, you've got my attention, Mister mm. Circus. It's exciting. It is it's exciting. And now he's—I he, just checked—he's he's second unit director on all three Hobbits. There Ooh. you go. Uh, so now he knows how to second unit direct. He could do everything. There's nothing that he can't do. <laughs> I am excited. I don't know a whole lot about sort of the studio that he's setting up in Britain, but by the sounds of it, it's like the next level. And. It's um, be, yeah. Star Wars as well. I, we don't know the details of, of. I think he's going to be in the Avengers live action. Wow. 
the the second Avengers. Oh. But we'd um, it's entirely possible he will be live action in the new Star Wars as well, and that's that's equally as exciting. To, to see him, like, it's almost like if you're acting for a CGI character, you know, you have to act that much better. It's like wearing a mask kind of thing to get the performance through the mask. Yeah, I mean, it just depends how they shoot him, like whether you'll actually be able to see him, see him on screen, whether he's um, in the darkness or the light. Yeah. It yeah. just depends, you know. It we does. Might, we might be able to see him or not. Um, that was well, I like that. <laughs> I fucked up the line, though. It's darkness and the light, but... Uh... Oh, that's all right. I I don't think anyone will notice as long as you don't call attention to it afterwards. Awesome. After the fact. I won't do that. That'd don't, be crazy. You know, if you say something like, oh, I fucked the lineup. Don't, don't. No, I wouldn't yeah. do that. No, no, no. no. Yeah, no. good. Good. No. I mean, the people that listen, they'll go along with anything. Well, thanks for flying back directly. <laughs> it's my pleasure. Uh, straight from your screening. Absolutely. You went to see Battle of Five Armies. Five Arvies? Five Armies. <laughs> Five RVs. <laughs> five RVs. <laughs> and battle I, of Five Recreational Vehicles. And I <laughs> loved it. And then I watched The Hobbit. The Battle of Arby's, which is uh, that's an American reference uh, to the restaurant there. Um, the Battle of Five... Armies. The, the Battle of Five Arnies. Get to the chopper, smog! <laughs> <laughs> the Hobbit 3. I watched it. Um. Yeah. I. Yeah. It, it's good as a piece of of cinema. I don't think I'd watch it again necessarily. No, I kind of no. had my fill of with the Lord of the Rings. You know, you might revisit it, and and the first Hobbit, I really enjoyed it, and the second one I enjoyed it to a point, and then it started, you know, going a bit silly. I felt. Yeah. I can, can I just say Terminator Genesis should just be called Terminator Battle of Five Armies. Yeah. That's a way better title. Or at least two Arnie's. Yeah. But, like, let's hope there's going to be five. That's yeah. probably the next one. Well, fingers crossed. <laughs> uh, you know what? The, my final, my only final comment was, and I, I shared this with someone else that went to see the movie, uh, was that they thought, and I thought, surely the film will end on the eye of Sauron and a bit of... Like, I thought that was going to be like, boom, that's the ending of the film. Instead, it was all like happy colors and whatever, Bilbo in Bag End. And I was like, nah, I want, I want, I want scary shit is going to go down. Now go watch the, the, the other three movies. Well, here, here, just as an ending question, mm. what do you think was handled better? The prequel trilogy for Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit, or the prequel trilogy for, uh, say, Star Wars? <laughs> Because the question, the, what you've just said there reminds me of the ending to Revenge of the Sith. Right. Where they're looking at the sunset and they're crossing their arms and they're all not I'll, shaking their I'll hands. answer it with, with one line. Mm-hmm. And my answer to that question is, Misa don't know! <laughs> <laughs> That's our movie autopsy for The Hobbit, Battle of Five Armies. You can tweet at us if you want, at Movie Autopsy on Twitter. If you're recommending us to a friend, and I hope you are, we're on iTunes, Stitcher, and any podcast app on your smartphone that you choose to employ to listen to our voices. Love that. Our next episode will be The Imitation Game. See you then.